0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc. Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine. Well, good morning again. As we continue to get settled into the room, let me ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter two, and we have been in the process uh, of talking about discipleship. I know the Lord is, is actually been teaching me a great deal about discipleship, and some of that I just I can't help but uh, to share. Obviously, because I do believe that it's going to impact our future. We know that. I mean, just I'm just more and more convinced that the Lord has a plan for, uh, for our future as a church. And certainly, as His kingdom, and so we want to make sure that we are ready when God calls us. We are we are already fully trained to be able to do what He has called us as an empowering us to do. So, we kind of left off last week, and I don't want to rush through it, but I also don't want to belabor it. So much of this, I know there is redundancy. Okay, I recognize that, but there's something to be said about redundancy in that the more often we hear something, the more it kind of can marinate in our spirit. And so I'm not really going to be apologetic for saying the same things numerous times, but but I do want us to make sure that we're listening and we're praying through it and we're not just coming to church and sitting through sermons. To be honest, there's not a whole lot of empowerment of coming to church and just sitting through sermons. Empowerment is the application and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. That's where we find growth and sustainability. So in Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse five, I'm not, I don't know if I read, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And we're familiar with the passage when it says, have this same mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, or have the mind of Christ, who, this is very important, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Now what I want to do is I want to stop there for a moment and kind of break this down as it relates to discipleship and certainly disciple making. So what Paul does here is he gives us a glimpse into the solution of how God himself could become man and dwell among us, how Jesus could have dual natures at exactly the same time. Jesus was not 50% God and 50% man. That would allow him to move into deity and to move into humanity as it suits his will. But what Jesus... Paul tells the church at Philippi here exactly how Jesus operates. And it's this constant dissension. I want you to notice how this happens. Jesus actually took on the form of a man, right? That's what Philippians tells us. Jesus takes on the form of a man. In fact, John even says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. That's his first dissension. And then as a man, he humbled himself to the death on the cross. That's a secondary descending, right? This is uh, incredible how Jesus just keeps in his obvious deity, takes on humanity, and, and this passage says it goes a step further that while he was human, he emptied himself of his deity. Now, does that make Jesus not God? Of course not. Jesus is God. But he veils or cloaks, empties himself of that. It's so important. This word that Paul uses is the Greek word morphe. We're familiar with this word in English. It means to morph. What does morph mean? To morph means to change natures, to be in one nature, to, to become another nature. Or substance. Something that morphs is one thing and becomes something completely different. That is a a morph, right? So, I want you to look at this. Verse in uh, first in verse 6, it refers to the morphe of God. The second time in verse 7, he talks about the morphe of man. Both of these verses are referring to Jesus. What he says is being in the morphe, the nature, the substance of God, he took on the substance of a man. Now, This Jesus, Paul also says, being in the very morphe of God, he did not consider equality with God something, now the Greek would say, something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't take advantage of his deity while he was human. Now, this seems like a strange sermon when we're exalting the deity of Jesus. But the truth of the matter is what Jesus is doing throughout his entire ministry is showing us what we can, how we can live when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus being fully equal to God in every way. The difference is Jesus did not have a sin nature. Again, we've talked about that last week and in previous weeks. Jesus did not dip into his deity to live out his humanity. Now, what Jesus from page one all the way through begins to reveal to us is that he had specific resources that he counted on and depended upon in order to be able to live that out. Now, again, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time to, uh, to, to go back through all of these things, but remember, there were at least three things that Jesus counts on, and, uh, and, and Scripture bears these out. Number one is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was taught by the Holy Spirit. Over and over and over, we see these things throughout the life of Jesus. He also depended upon prayer. Did you know that more than 40 times Jesus retreats to a desolate place for prayer? And we think of Jesus being in this hurried ministry of healing everybody, but there's actually more evidence that Jesus spent time in prayer than he did out in, in public places like that. The last thing that Jesus used, or, or the next thing I guess I should say, is the written word of God. From the very beginning, Jesus had a remark- was taught by his mother and father. We know that. He was uh, in a... In a uh, in, in stature and also in maturity and in wisdom, Jesus was raised by them. They had a high devotion to the Word of God. Jesus then, in over 90 occasions in Jesus' teaching, Jesus actually quotes from the Old Testament. And so Jesus had the Holy Spirit. Jesus devoted himself to prayer. Jesus also had the written Word of God. Now we know that apart from the Holy Spirit, the written Word doesn't make sense to us, right? Scripture even says that. To those that are not Christians, it's folly. In fact, the cross itself is is folly. Now, we also know that without prayer, we Scripture itself says this uh, numerous times that without the Holy Spirit's empowerment in us, God doesn't hear the prayer of the uh, of the unrighteous. God doesn't hear the. There's there's several times, at least seven different situations in which God will not hear. And one of them is the way that we pray is in the Spirit through the Son to the Father, right? Well, the very beginning of prayer is in the Spirit. So if you're not in the Spirit, it's going to be difficult to pray. And so we know that Jesus sets the model for us here and, uh, and opens the door for us in His death, and His burial, and His resurrection for us to be able to have the same empowerment of the Holy Spirit that He lived in. So Jesus becoming our model for life and for ministry, there are at least three things. Number one, Jesus shows what it looks like to be fully dependent upon the sovereignty of his Father and upon the calling and direction of God. That's something for us to learn. We should write that down. Fully dependent upon the calling and the enabling of the Father. Two, fully obedient. Everything that the father taught him and everything that the father wanted from him, Jesus did without question. Even if it got in the way of his wallet and if it got in the way of his calendar. The third thing, Jesus proves to us that he was fully reliant upon the word of God, the spirit of God, and and prayer. So the, here's the here's the preaching part of all of this. I feel like we and 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 we, but also the greater we, as at least Western Christianity, have over the last probably hundred years narrowed our focus to only the teaching of Jesus, and we fail to notice or to recognize that Jesus also had a mission. He had a he had a a, a purpose that he was fulfilling. Now, the teaching of Jesus and the mission of Jesus are tag team partners. One only has power if the other one is present. And so if we miss Jesus' mission, then we will always miss ours. If we miss what Jesus is trying to accomplish, we will never be able to accomplish what God has for us by simply relying on the teachings of Jesus. Now, again... I know this is a little bit slippery because what is our pastor saying? The teachings of Jesus doesn't matter? Of course not. The teachings of Jesus are paramount. The teaching of Jesus is the guardrails that everything else stays within. But a relationship with Jesus Christ is the road. So we can't focus on the guardrails. We gotta focus on the person of Jesus Christ. What is he doing? How is he accomplishing it? What is he doing in us? And so for most evangelical fundamental churches all of the emphasis put on what did jesus say what did jesus say what did jesus say we hope that if we just learned more truth our lives would be transformed who among us have not in your christian life ebbed and flowed in your how you feel about your relationship with god in your in your growth pattern look at your life and say I think I finally get it and then there's this falling away and then there's coming and there's falling away and who am I really and we struggle with identity and we struggle with purpose and we struggle with uh, in, you know our you know disqualifying ourselves and uh, all sorts of inabilities so we miss the The parts where Jesus says, walk as I walked, do as I do. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. In the same same way that the Father sent me, the same thing that the Father wants me to accomplish, so send I you, ministry of Jesus. So we walk through the Gospels looking for Jesus' next teaching, for Jesus' next command, for Jesus' next proverb, for Jesus' next cliche, hoping to order our life out by just simply the... And we struggle with what does God want me to do? What is God's calling? What is God's will for my life? But it's very clear. Jesus, he, he minced no words. And the answer is super simple. And we'll get to that in a moment. But we miss, so often we miss the ordered chronological method of disciple making. We get to the very end of the books, of the Gospels, and, and we hear, as you go, make disciples. And we say, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do. If we were, if we were to say, what was Jesus' last command to his disciples, every one of us would be able to say, Go and make disciples of all the nations. We have conferences about this. We, we know it. We can memo- we've got to memorize Matthew 28 Well, and Mark's and John's and Acts 2. we got got Acts 1-8. We have them all memorized. Even, we even go to the Old Testament and we know what Jesus has commanded us to do. But you know what it comes down to? I don't know how. I don't know what to do. I'm no good at that. That's not my calling. That's not what God wants me to do. But we say... What does God want me to do? I don't know what God wants me to do, but I can't do that. But Jesus spent three years preparing these men for this very calling. And while we've made it a mystery, I do not know. Jesus said, as you go, make disciples. What does it mean to make a disciple? Well, we focus on discipleship we would say, what is a disciple? Someone who walks after Jesus. But what we really mean is someone who knows the stories of Jesus. So we focus on the knowing and we focus on the teaching. But we don't focus on the morphe, the nature of Jesus. And maybe I'm I'm the anomaly. And I'm... And maybe maybe you're the preacher today, and I'm simply just confessing. I'm not I honestly don't know. Uh, I'm just being really, really honest with you about church and what I sense the Lord is teaching me for us. you may be light years ahead of me. But what I have sensed is a conviction of the Holy Spirit is that we have had a relationship, many of us for decades, with the teaching of Jesus but not with Jesus himself. There's no intimacy between God's creation and his creator. Oh, we know scripture. We can memorize it. We can teach it, but we're not living it out. No wonder the world calls us hypocrites because when the world sees Christians, they don't see Christ. They see people who are holier than thou, people who are hypocrites, people who... Always have the right words, but their attitudes. And listen, it's one of the reasons I'm about 95% away from social media. I, I just can't do it. It's just, it's sickening. I can't do it. And I'm not preaching at you again. That's just me. We talk about Jesus's transformation. And you think about this. How, how often have we struggled with, Jesus' promises of peace. Jesus', the angels' promises of joy to the world, glad tidings, peace to all. We struggle with this being able to be uh, joyful in conflict and tension because how many of us truly are? How many of us live at peace? When the Bible says don't worry, and most Christians do. When we say don't fret, And every Christian does. Don't be anxious about anything. And we're terrified about everything. Wait a minute. The teachings of Jesus and the minds of Jesus' people don't match up. Am I the only one that sees this? Would you just let me know I'm not the only one? Thank you. And I'm not saying that to preach to us. I'm saying that either God is a liar or we're misunderstanding some things. Let me tell you some things about peace, for instance. Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, right? He didn't say it's here. It's himself when he said, I am with you always. Jesus is the prince of peace. If you're expecting the word of God to bring peace in your life, it doesn't work. Another study, another sermon, another lesson will not provide peace. Jesus does. Not Jesus' teaching, Jesus. But how do I know if it's Jesus? That's where Jesus' teaching comes in. To know for sure that that's Jesus. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus did. That's where, that's the guardrails. That's the testing of the spirits to see if it be of God. But we need a personal, how many times have you said, you need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, what do I do? Read your Bible. That's not a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We need to cultivate intimacy with him. Sit in the room with him. Hear his heartbeat. Watch his chest beat. Watch the compassion as it moves within him. And then I think we can end our day on a soft pillow with a a good, peaceful, joyful conscience. And when the world looks at us in times like these, and they will say to you, what makes you different? Where is this peace? What did Peter say? When they ask you about the hope that's within you, Be ready to give a defense for your faith. In Philippians chapter 1, you should already be there. I want to read to you a very familiar verse of Scripture. We probably could all quote it, but I'm going to read it. This is in verse 6, Philippians 1, 6. Paul said, what's the first word? Being, yep, somebody else did different translations. Okay. And is another beginning of this. Oh, it is, it's a continuation, but let's just let's just read it. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. And we love that because when you are anxious and when you're worried and when you're grieving and when you're sorrowful and when you're not at peace and when you don't have joy, we look at this verse and say, God's not finished with you yet. Whatever He started, He will complete. Hang in there, right? But this is a continuation. So let's see what verse 5 says, okay? Okay. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. That's the verse preceding. So if you want to know the context of he who began a good work in you will complete it, it goes back to a partnering with Jesus Christ in giving out the good news of Jesus Christ. That's where that promise comes in. Because it's like a kick in the teeth to be a partner with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because sometimes the world don't want to hear that. You want to live like Jesus? You want to be like Jesus? He gets crucified in this world. He gets crucified. I don't know if you've read that far in the gospels. It's, it's, It's pretty gory. But you know what? You can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion. And that's where the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. All right. All that's, all that's simple, but here's what I'm saying is that what Paul is talking about Church of Philippi is here's how you grow into Christ likeness. Here's how you grow to be more like Jesus. Partner with the good news of Jesus Christ. What is the good news of Jesus Christ? Well, the gospel of Matthew, the gospel of Mark. No, 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 no. No, the good news is not the written word. The good news is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. The good news is, and lo, I will be with you always, all the way up to the very end. That's the good news. He's for you. How do I know He's for me? Because the Word says so. The Word says so. But the good news is that Jesus is near. That there's a kingdom that we can receive, and that we are receiving. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter twelve, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Let me tell you something. This kingdom. Turn on the news. See how shakable it is. It's getting shaken from stem to stern. Everything that we've ever thought we could count on. We wonder what in the world is going on. The people, the relationships, families. It doesn't matter. Everything is crumbling. But there's a kingdom that's unshakable. And we're receiving it. And when we receive it, we give it away. Here's the problem with, and I, I, want, I want us to be able to understand this. And, and I know it sounds like I'm angry. I'm really not. I'm very, very passionate about this because it is slowly and incrementally changing my life and my relationship to, well, the perspective that I have of, of the world and of people. Listen to what 1 John chapter 1 verse 3 says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that we may also have fellowship with that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ. Listen to what John is saying, that the fellowship that Jesus had with the Father, that's in his deity, that relationship that Jesus had Here's what John says. Jesus gave that relationship to me. So the relationship that Jesus had with the Father, he opened the door for me. The relationship that Jesus had with the Spirit, I have that now. He placed his morphe into me. Now he had to take on mine first, but he finished it and he completed it and he opened the door for me. Now I have the nature of Christ in me. Isn't that beautiful? And then he says this, that which we have seen and heard, we declare that to you. This becomes the ministry of people who are born again in the Spirit. You have to be... Well, let me say it this way. (laughs) The only time that you have to worry about disciple-making is when Jesus is in you it's the only time you have to worry about it and I think we've complicated it truth of the matter is if if you are truly born again it's like oh man I I know I know what some of you may be thinking I just this is intense and I don't know that I all you got to do all you got to do is be aware that Jesus is in you that's really all you have to do to be a disciple maker in fact, what he says is, as you are going, make disciples. It's not complicated. Just be consistent in your walk with me. Just be not with, mem- I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not against memorizing scripture. It's incredibly important. What I'm saying is, don't let your relationship just be with truths. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? He is the truth. So our relationship is with Jesus. So if your relationship with Jesus, I mean, if you're communicating with him, you're spending time with him, you're learning him, you're having his mind in you, just live. Jesus is coming out. Just live for his glory, and his glory will go through you. But when we make ourselves the end user, we become stagnant, and we ebb and flow in stagnation. Good days, bad days. We've got to learn to walk as Jesus walked. If we claim claim to know Him, then we will walk as Jesus walked. Not believe what Jesus taught. Walk as He walked. Because if you're going to believe, then you will walk as He walked. You will live as He walked. Learn to listen for brokenness. Now, I'm going to shift a little bit here, and then we'll go back. But, I know some of you say, listen, if this, is a, if this is a message about evangelism, I'm terrible at sharing my faith. It's, it's really not. It's about learning how to live Christ-centric. Learning how to be aware that Jesus is in the room with you. That's, that's really what we're talking about. Learning how to, how to be aware of what Jesus is wanting to do. in the life. So how do I know what Jesus is going to do at any one moment? Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Be be in the Word and you'll know what Jesus would do. But the important thing is not knowing what Jesus is going to do. It's doing what Jesus did. Not just knowing what Jesus would do. We're great at Bible trivia. But we're not great at applying it in our daily lives. Amen? Or in our daily emotions and attitudes. That's where... If you've been a Christian for very long, I think that's where a lot of us really get hung up. It's not in the mortal sins, it's in the I can because you know, honestly, if you live any kind of morality, you can kind of fake spirit-filled living. But at the end of the day, there's no peace and there's no joy and there's no growth, there's no sustainability. So we gotta listen. We've got to l- learn to listen for brokenness, and we've got to learn to listen to what would Jesus. Say What would Jesus do in any given moment in our day? Because if you believe that Jesus orders our steps, that's another verse. We all have that memorized, right? Man makes these plans, but God orders our steps. We know that, right? Proverbs is very clear about that. I love that verse, in fact. But if I'm convinced that that's true, then here's what's going to happen. Then I know that every step I take, God ordered it. If God ordered it, then God has a plan for it. Amen. Everybody that comes into my life in any given day is an opportunity for me to declare Jesus Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't get hung up on your work and don't get hung up on your family and don't get hung up on your neighborhoods and don't get hung up in your money and don't get hung up on all the things that we value because those things will all order themselves out if you're walking with Jesus like Jesus. And he gave us three years of material to kind of get the track record and the trend of what he would do at any given moment. So here's here's a beautiful thing for those of you who are still on the brink and say, "I know that's the right thing, but I'm still just you don't know my insecurities and my inabilities." You you're right. I know mine, and I so I know kind of how we feel. God gave us a very very precious gift that I don't think we use appropriately. You see how, how uh, he gave us one another. He told us how to live with one another. He told us what our family should look like. He showed us what our parenting should look like. He showed us what kind of employee we should look like to reveal the kingdom and the change that's within us. He gave us the patterns so that if the living of Jesus, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty, there may be some things that doesn't make sense. Well, how, what about this relationship or that relationship? Well, then you got the apostles teaching as they're learning to live it out too. Here's what Jesus would have done because we walked with him. All right, so all of that to be said. Then he gives us a community to practice on. That's what I'm, I am 100% convinced that's what the church is. It's not a place for you to retreat from the world in. It's a place for you to practice on. It's a people to practice on. <laughs> you want to work on being patient with a coworker? that there's going to be some conflict with people at church. You can practice. I'm not going to church with those people. Sometimes God gives you irritability in a church so that you can practice. Here's what you should always get. You should always get grace from people at church. You should always get love from people. You should only get the benefit of the doubt from people at church, right? So it's a safe place for us to practice the one and others, the esteeming others, not the combat and the competition, The giving preference to one another, right? The long-suffering with one another. The putting up with each other. You know, the hard things that we struggle with out there, he gives us one another to practice on. Sharing our faith. Talking about God moments. Isn't that great? Instead of talking about all of the things that we have in common... Why don't we talk about how we're seeing God move in our life and sharing prayer requests of coworkers that we're dealing with in the world? How about if we shared our testimony with what God is doing and teaching us? If, if before church starts, that's what our little uh, uh, huddles uh, become, is just talking about the fellowship that we have with Jesus and sharing and encouraging excuse me, encouragement with one another and lifting each other up. How much better would we be out there if we were at least that good in here? But you know what we hear today? I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, you know what? Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Because I can tell you, if you don't have one another to practice on, you sure ain't getting it done out there. We ain't getting it done out there anyway. I don't really two things you don't talk about. Politics and religion. Well, Let me tell you what. Right now, perfect time to talk about it because everybody's going to be equally mad about all of it. <laughs> the people that agree with you are angry too. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says, I have authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And what does he do? These are paradoxes because then Jesus sends them out with Authority. All authority is his. How can he send them out that way with authority? Easy. He's about to be in them, right? He's about to multiply himself in them. And then he also says, I'm going away. And they're about to watch him ascend. What's the last thing he says? But I'll be with you. How is that possible? These are strange paradoxes that Jesus gives to them. Because he is about to be in them. As he puts off that humanity. He paid the price for us. The veil of the temple was rent in into. Now we have direct access with the Father. And then Jesus Christ gives us himself. And the Holy Spirit. Jesus is with us. The Spirit in us. And everything that Jesus did. We can do. If... We have a relationship with Jesus, not Jesus' stuff. Jesus actually gives two commands that you may not be aware of two. There's one for sure that we, are, that we recognize, and that is, "As you go, what is it?" He looks at these 12, or 11, and he says, "As you go, what? Make disciples. Do what I did." As you go, just as you're living, don't make it complicated. Don't go to Africa and China. If you want to go, he's going to go with you because you can't get rid of him. He's going to go with you even to the end. If he calls you to those places, go. But when you go to Walmart, make disciples. When you go to the grocery store, make disciples. When you go to get your lawnmower to cut your yard, make disciples. You better make sure that every step you take, you recognize you're listening What does the Spirit want for me in this moment? And don't say I can't do that because it's in you already. You are quenching the Holy Spirit every time. Not you say no every time you don't. Make disciples. Did you know that 17 times in all of the Gospels we find Jesus ministering to the masses? 17 times, that's a lot. But 46 times we have him talking to the 12. Jesus' ministry actually follows along with what he tells us to do. And the 17 times that he's ministering to the masses, his attention is on them, watch me as I do this. Because in three years, you're going to be doing this. So watch me. Sit there and watch me. Now, if you don't watch the chronology of Jesus' life, you'll miss it. When you focus on teaching, 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 you'll miss the process of disciple-making. So here's the three verbs. Go, baptize, and teach. easy. we won't get into all of those. But the going is as you go. We've already talked about that. Baptizing really isn't about water, although it is a great symbol of not just being clean, but of, of life, of death, and of resurrection. And so we practice, I believe, as an essential to public identity with Jesus Christ. Baptism is really about a public identity with Jesus and with the body of Christ, baptized into the body. Now, as a church, we practice baptism by immersion. And so if you've ever been baptized by immersion... We recognize you as a member of the body of Christ already. You're already a brother and sister. Some churches say you have to be baptized into their local body. We, we, don't, we don't teach that. We believe there's one body. We're just one of those. Uh, the, the, the third verb is to teach. And so this is the teach what? To teach what they, Jesus taught them, to be like him. So it's not teaching just the commandments of Jesus. It's learning Christ-likeness. But here's the second command. I have so much more. <clears throat> I'm not going to have time to get there. I'm just looking at the clock and I'm disappointed. <laughs> Command number two. You need to stay focused on Jesus. Let me, let me break it down a little bit like this. Our translations would say, and lo, I am with you always. How many of you, it says, and lo. And you, you know, there's all these airplane jokes. But we're not going to tell those. Lo, I am with you always. Or, or surely, or certainly. I am with you always. Uh, what, what the Greek word here is this. Is to have a constant assurance of this. That's what it actually means. To be certain of this. To stay resolved to this fact. So what Jesus is actually telling them. Is when you're going to go out and make disciples. And you're going to go. And you're going to baptize. And you're going to teach. There's going to be a lot of distractions. Distractions. There're going to be a lot of distractions. In fact, Satan is going to create distractions. Life is distracting enough. This is distracting enough. Heaven knows this is distracting enough. Not to mention all of these things are distracting. And if you're going to make disciples, you're going to have to stay focused. Focused on what? I got to be focused on my Bible study. I got to be focused on my on my 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 prayer life. I gotta be focused on on my, you know how do I Romans three twenty three and Romans five eight and Romans six twenty three and Romans ten I gotta get stay so focused on these things so that any moment I can just I mean, some of you remember back faith evangelism, and I'm not against that. We, we, need, we need systems in place to be able to have that conversation, but the F-A-I-T-H, you know, all these really cute ways of remembering stuff, we stay focused on those things. What Jesus tells us here in Matthew 28 is, make certain, constant certain, certainty that I'm with you always. Now, here's what that means. When you're fearful, when you're biting your fingernails, and when you're up all night because you're nervous, Jesus is with you. Yeah, it means that. But what it also means is that every step you take, every breath you take, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And he is the function of our life. If Jesus leaves us, we drop dead because we no longer live. The breath, the, the, the breath that we breathe is the Spirit. The breath we breathe isn't oxygen. I'm alive in Christ. I'm dead to self. If that relationship ceases to exist with Him, I don't live anymore. I've already resurrected, in fact. The day I said yes to Jesus, I died. And immediately the Spirit entered into my spirit. And now He is my coming and going and my living and my being. So for me to pretend to be something else is disingenuous. For me to want his heaven without his presence is hypocrisy. It's lukewarm at best. So, what does it mean? Well, it means for us that we... Let me just say it this way, then I'm going to close, okay? I'm going to try to close. Growth, spiritual growth, is not the goal of your walk with Christ. No, wait a minute, Pastor. The Bible talks a lot about growing. It does. It does tell you about growing, a lot about growing, in fact. But it's never the command, it's a byproduct of the command as Paul told the church at Philippians. Partnering with the gospel, that's where your growth is. Making disciples, that's where your growth is. Growth isn't the goal of your relationship with Jesus. When growth becomes your primary goal, you will become a consumer. You're the focus of everything. You're the focus of, oh, I want to study that. Oh, I want to read that. Oh, that'll be good for me. And we just become, we become connoisseurs of self-help, even if it's Christian self-help. What can I do to be better? How can I have a better marriage? How can I have, be a better parent? How can, I be, how can I manage my finances? How can I, how can I, how can I? And we're just heaping on all this material. and By the time we get on to the next book, we've already forgotten the first book. The truth of the matter is, Jesus solves all of that with his presence. He solves it all. We've made it so complicated. we say so distracted by being trying to become better people that we may be better people, but to neglect of the one thing God called us to do. Listen, growth is a byproduct of a relationship with Christ. Don't spend time in His Word. Spend time with Him. Listen to Him. Picture Him in the room with you. Know that when you close the book, He's, He's right here. You say, wow, that's kind of intimate think about when you're sitting at the dinner table he's sitting with you when you're driving down the road he's sitting with you when you're with a coworker, worker he's, he's standing right there and he's the one that ordered your steps into that very moment listen for opportunities to declare him do not be afraid because he's with you and he will uphold you with his righteous right hand And he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. What I want us to do is I want us to picture ourselves as being commissioned and sent out as as just excited Christ followers who can't wait to tell other people what it looks like to spend time not beating people over the head with truths but introducing people to a perfect relationship with the perfection of love say, Pastor, this is the most basic stuff I've ever heard in my life. I I know, and that's embarrassing, isn't it? It's embarrassing. It's so simple. We've complicated it so much. So we want to just strip all that back. and We want to make sure that when we're in the Word, again, those are the guardrails. But Jesus is the road. Jesus is the destination. Make sure, and I say, I don't know what Jesus does. I want to picture Jesus, right? I don't know what Jesus looks like. I don't know what he looks like. It's hard for me to picture somebody I don't know what they look like. We need to sit, get past all of that and just recognize that he is with us. This is why I think Paul would say, pray without ceasing. Or, How can I pray without ceasing? Just know he's always with you. Just always be talking to him. Just, just have this continual conversation with Jesus. I'm just telling you, it will bring power into your life and it will change the lives of those around you. And that's what we're called to do. Lord, we thank you for this time together in your word. And, and I pray as we continue to learn this as a church that we wouldn't grow faint because I know it seems so intense, but it is so freeing. I mean, it goes from, I mean, I think about you know, our, our relationship with you. you. You said, come to you all who are, are, are tired and, and heavy laden, who are weary, and you will give us rest. Because your yoke... Is easy and your burden is light. And in some strange way, Lord, we are weary and we are heavy laden and we love you and we are harassed and helpless. We are busy, we are anxious, we're frustrated, we're angry, we're bitter, we're, we're everything you said that you don't bring. So, somewhere or another, we're not doing this right. And if there's ever been a day, Where it is more clear, where where the the kingdom of of God looks so different from the kingdom of man, it would be right now in our lifetime. So, Lord, I pray that we would cultivate this relationship with you and that our, our sin would not be a barrier. We know that you've satisfied that debt. So, Lord, may we put on holiness. Lord, you are our defense. You are our righteousness, not ourselves. So, Lord, I pray that as we are mandated to wear masks, I pray that we would take at least one of those off. That mask that we wear, that smile that we show, it's not real. Lord, I pray that we do away with it. I pray that we would just simplify that you would be enough that our contentment in you would begin to, to grow in us a satisfaction producing peace and joy and love and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and then the world would see that hope what's going on with you you seem different well let me tell you about a relationship that I have it's made all the difference I pray that that would be the testimony of our lips and the testimony of our lives. And that we wouldn't use the excuse, well, I don't know enough scripture or I might mess it up. But our, our life is the testimony. So Lord, help us to be faithful to that. Help us to be faithful to you. We love you, Lord, and we're grateful for what you are doing through us. So let us, let us be an open vessel. Lord, flow through us. I want you this morning to, to just pray that. It's a simple prayer, but don't pray it because I'm asking you to. I want you to simply say, Lord, teach me. Flow through me. We have become so great at praying that God would flow into us. That all the blessings that we have are to us and for us. But the truth of the matter is, is everything we have in Christ is through us so may we have this mind that was also in Christ Jesus Lord flow through me Lord give me a sensitivity to the brokenness around me church I think of how often Paul I mean strong Paul how often these churches that he started in the midst of severe persecution would say and pray that I would have boldness. I mean, if Paul had to pray for boldness, certainly we're going to be distracted and grow weary and tired. So all, you know, you you look through the scripture and you see how often Paul was having to spend time with Jesus even if it was forced time from time to time. give me a sensitivity to see and to hear to be aware I pray for a conviction over us that when we're not spending time with Jesus we would be mindful of that so Lord have your way with us have your way through us that the nations may know who you are that the nations may have the same opportunity for contentment and satisfaction in your kingdom. And may we not get distracted. May we not get too busy living our lives that we forget that we're actually living yours. In Jesus' name we pray. you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at myconnectchurch.cc.